All right, everybody. Peace. Welcome to the Sorry to Bother You show. Wherever or however you're listening, we are so grateful to have you here with us. As you guys know, I'm your host, Kashawn Cottle, and I'm joined here today by my co-host, Mr. Dre Pennington. What's good, everybody? You know, glad to be here, ready to get the show going. How, how you feeling, Kashawn? You know, I feel like we got a special guest today. You good? He's, he's, okay, yeah, he's a special guest. Uh, guys, <laughs> we are joined here today by Mr. Akiva Wedge, uh, Mr. All-Time Leading Rusher at SVU. Mr. Most Rush Yards in the Game, Mr. All-American, Mr. NFL Prospect, the one and only Mr. Akiva Wedge. Uh, Akiva, how you feeling, man? Feeling great today. Um, blessed to be here. And just, you know, blessed opportunity that you gave me to be on this. Oh, man, it's a blessing to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as you guys know, Akiva was on our show a couple months back. He was in the first volume of our one-on-one series. And if you didn't hear that uh, episode, we got a little background knowledge on Kiva and uh, how he grew up, where he's playing at, how his NFL career has started going so far. And if you want more information on Kiva, you can go back and listen to that uh, episode. But for today, we're going to get right into it. Akiva, are you ready to talk about some sports with us, man? Of course. I live for. All right, guys, we got a lot in store for the show tonight. We got um, some boxing. We're talking about the Lomachenko versus Lopez fight. We're going to talk about what's going on with the NFC East because for some reason, all the teams are playing terrible. They look atrocious. Uh, we're also going to talk about LeBron and where he stands right now in terms of all-time greats. We're going to talk about some baseball as well. We've got some college football action coming up as well and our NFL picks for the week. Um, and we're going to talk about the issues with Dak in Dallas. Uh, so we got a lot of story. We got a lot in store for you guys today. But with that being said, let's dive right into it. Let's start with some boxing. Uh, Kiva, for those of you who don't know, has a little bit of boxing background, slightly, right? Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Over the weekend, Vasily Lomachenko fought Tiafima Lopez for the lightweight championship. Uh, Lomachenko was the aforementioned pound for pound best boxer uh, right. in the world. But he lost by, by a unanimous decision to Tiafima Lopez, who was an up-and-coming boxer, who showed some aggression and was more aggressive than expected during the fight. But Kiva, why don't you start, start out with uh, what you thought about that fight? <clears throat> uh, personally, I just think Lopez just boxed a, a brilliant fight. Um, he managed to stay in control. And uh, throughout the majority of the rounds where – it showed that he just kind of outboxed, outboxed his opponent. And then um, towards the end, I, I noticed because he made a comment and then said it at the after his fight where his father slash trainer was stating that uh, you don't have to punish your opponent or, you know, just take it easy, don't go all the way in. You don't want to afford or, or take that chance of getting knocked down or, or knocked out and uh, possibly just lose. And But he made the statement that – uh. He, you have to, like, you know, the opponent that I'm going against, I have to do that. I have to go, you know, all the way out like, and give everything I have because, you know, at any moment the fight could turn. And I, it's that just that right there showed me that he had the spirit, the spirit of a warrior because, like, most times, you know, boxers do avoid, you know, the, the initial contact of just trying to go in there and just complete a complete round and brawl. And uh, for him to go there and honestly just to give everything he had, 
realizing whether he was in the league or behind in the boxing match and just to dominate something that you, you know, you can't give the most of or anybody else. So I really, I really enjoyed that myself, but yeah. Trey, what did you see? Uh, <clears throat> so I seen, like you said, it was a better, better fight fighter for Lopez. I'm guessing I didn't get to see the whole thing. I just kind of seen, I kind of caught like glimpses of it mm-hmm. and more aggressive fighter. Uh, he really went, as you can say, like balls to the wall and just outboxed. But I also noticed that he landed more punches than Lemonchenko. And he, he like, I want to say like he was aggressive. And I, I don't think that was in Lemonchenko's game plan uh, for him being, for Lopez being like that. Right. I don't know. He, it looked as though it was like Lemonchenko wasn't ready. He didn't have the right game plan for that fight. Right. Uh, I, I know you guys are probably going to bring this up eventually, but you guys already know that Lomachenko ended up having shoulder surgery right after the fight. Do you think that played a factor mm-hmm. in how he fought? Um, it could, but when you're in the fight, you know, you can't have no type of excuses. You know, like going into that fight, you understand, you know, your abilities. And at that point, once you step in that ring, you can't use that as like some type of scapegoat. You have to just step in that ring and understand that anything can happen. So, right, right. Uh, Dre, and we talked about this a little bit off the show. Uh, you were saying that you were confused as to why Lomachenko didn't uh, disclose yeah. the injury. What do you, what do you, what are you thinking about that? So, uh, as we as we were talking about before, you said you had, you had said before if now if he tells him, then he keeps going. His opponent will keep going to that side and everything like that, and he'll keep going to the shoulder that is hurt. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he has to, like, you know, kind of baby his shoulder and kind of uh, baby that side. Right. And I just – I don't know. It's either – if it's that bad, kind of try to reschedule the fight as, as quick as possible or try to get out of the fight. No matter what it, how the public looks at you, get out of the fight. Don't lose. Do, do anything you can at that point because it's just – it's not worth it because now if – now you mess your shoulder up to where you can't even lift your shoulder anymore. You're not, you're not boxing anymore. And it's over. It's really over for you. Right. Right. So with Lomachenko losing this fight, this being his first loss, is he still considered in your guys' opinion, the best pound for pound fighter or does someone like Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence, when he fully recovers, does one of those two move up to the best pound for pound boxer in Cuba? Yeah. Oh, you might have him muted. Trey, what do you think? Uh, one loss, but this is a big loss because you said it was an up-and-coming boxer. It wasn't like it was somebody who was uh, – Lopez was number two, I'm guessing? Or was how was this an expected loss to happen is what, is what I'm asking. No one I don't think so. Dre, uh, Kiva, what do you think about that? It was no one near. Everybody estimated that Lopez would get dominated. Yeah. So then, that big of a that big of a loss, that big of a letdown, uh, huge expectations. Uh, I don't know that that kind of drops him out of that that number one spot, in my opinion, because you can't. Like when you're dominant, you dominate your you dominate like you you beat the people you're supposed to beat, and he didn't he didn't hold up his end and beat the people he was beat the person he's supposed to beat, so kind of falls out. Okay. Now, all right. Quick question with that. <clears throat> yeah. Would you say Mike Tyson wouldn't be number one because he did lose the Buster Ducks when he was supposed he to did, dominate? He did do that. Yeah. 
Now, do uh, you at that time do you still be like, well, Mike Tyson's not number one no more? I mean, he took an L. Respect. He took that yeah, L. respect. <laughs> it's respectable. Yeah. He, he found he found some way to beat him, and he yeah. found his weakness. So he can't be no he can't be number one. That's true. Respectable. I, I think he can still be number one. But I think we just found some chinks in his armor now. Because before this fight happened, everyone was saying that Lomachenko had the potential to be one of the best boxers of all time because with the track record he had against the fighters he fought, no one could really see a defect in his game. But then again, we never saw a fighter like Lopez be so aggressive with Lomachenko. So I think that could be it as well. I mean, we just saw a chink in his armor. Yeah. Well, I don't know I mean, about personally. I want to see a Terrence Crawford Lomachenko fight. Like Crawford might have to move up, but Lomachenko might have to move down. But that's the fight I really want to see. Uh, either one of them, to be honest with you. Earl Spence <laughs> got that money. You got Earl Spence, <laughs> both of them. Earl Spence, the truth, my boy. He, he Earl Spence is arguably even even after. So I think Earl Spence is better now than he was before. That's the truth because I think that that experience of almost you know life and death, yeah. gave him that opportunity to see a different path and and, and open his eyes like uh, how much he was doing wrong mm-hmm. to what he could have been doing. So it was it was even spoken on where he used to come into fights where he'll be seventy to ninety pounds over coming into the camp overweight <laughs> and overweight oh and then God. right and then burn that by doing different types of exercises and workouts and different types of diets just to get all the way down to the weight that he needed to be to fight and still wouldn't be in complete shape that probably would, was expected or needed, but he would still dominate the fight. So, but why would he do that? Why was he going into camp so far? Over? So what it was explaining, it was like just the life of living fast. Yeah. You don't think be like, cause I can't be knocking off. Nobody's really messing with me. And, and, Instead of being knocked off in, in the in the boxing world, he was knocked off almost nearly in life. So I think that's what gave him the ultimate, like, I have to be here for my little girls. I have to change my whole perspective and, and, and my whole life perspective. So now he's back to with one of his older trainers that he started with. And honestly, he's probably in the best shape that he's probably ever been at. Mm. And he was making a comment that he'd do a thousand push-ups, a thousand abs a day and and honestly, bro, like, to be honest with you, Earl Spencer really is that guy. A lot of people, a lot of people was having a good time talking to his downfall right now or how he's not the same boxer. Yeah. And it's going to be a sad awakening for a lot of people. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was quizzical about Errol Spence until I saw how he performed against Sean Porter. And I think Sean Porter is a good, like, stepping stone for guys like the Charlo brothers or Spence or even Terrence Crawford, even though Terrence Crawford doesn't want to fight Sean Porter. I think that was a good indicator of how good Errol Spence really is with how he handled yeah. Porter. But, yeah. but there's just so much, there's so much talent in that welterweight division, man. Like it's crazy. No, really, really. And it's just one of those things though, like you, a lot of fights don't occur right then and there because of timing, money, Motors. And and just and just and just promotion and you know like you, you got to put in perspective, is this what people want to see right now? That's what a lot of people, you know, like really comes down to. 
Yeah. Like, is that what the people are asking for? Like, do they want to see this fight right now? Is that's what needed to be seen right now? Like, right now, you probably wouldn't see, you know, like a Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford or something like that, you know, like a, a major matchup for years to come. You wouldn't see that right now due to the fact that you get in a pandemic and you can't have the fans that is necessary to be inside the building. So, you know, you, it's, it's kind of that situation. I think that's where Lopez thrived at mm-hmm. is the simple fact he's in a, in a situation where there's no fans. There's no nothing. There's, honestly, I mean, the only pressure that you're really facing is you against you. Like, at that point, now, don't get me wrong, you're boxing your opponent, but once you try to fight like they do or try to keep up with their style, you're not being you no more. Okay. So I think his ability to fight his style and stay in his game, that's what he was able to win. Okay. So do you think if the fans were there, that would have affected him negatively? Possibly. Because your fans is not technically on – well, those fans are technically not on his side because everybody's expecting him to lose. Okay. So with that negativity like outside – now, because everybody doesn't have the same mental and the same strength of mental-wise, but that's, that negativity going against you – not just you in the fight can have a different whole different ball game. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, there's just so much talent, like we said, in that in the boxing world today. I think a lot of guys, because of the emergence of the UFC, have moved away from boxing because to some people it's not as exciting to watch. But I don't know, man. I just, I've, I like the nuance and details of it. Wow. Bo- boxing is it it UFC will never touch touch boxing and until probably way we're like way down the line. It's yeah. just it's not the same. Right. I agree. Too much money, man. Too much money. But I mean speaking of talent, guys, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go let's talk about some football. Um I hate to do this, but we gotta talk about possibly the worst division. In football, <laughs> the uh, the NFC East, uh, the I, Dre, what's what's the combined win loss record for this? Man, they like so combined combined win loss record for the NFC East. They're like five, I think eighteen, mm-hmm. and like one. <laughs> That's wait 18, 18, 18 losses combined. Eighteen losses, yeah. How many five wins? losses and one tie? Oh no, that's crazy. Now mine is about five teams with that that same win win category. Yeah. So so we got Dallas in in first place with two at two and four. We got yeah. in second at one four and one. We got the Giants at one and five, and then we got the rest third the Washington football team at one and five. I I mean I guess the question is guys. Is is there something wrong with the NFC East? Is or is this what we expected from them? Dre, you want to, you want to go first on this? Uh, all right, I can do that. So as you know, not the biggest Dallas fan. As I've said before, most overrated franchise in history. Well, most overrated fans. That's what I'll say. Um, uh, I don't know. That just coming into this year, I could already tell that that team wasn't the same as people have been like hoping that they'll be. Um. Obviously, the the Washington Washington football team and the Giants are in rebuilding, as uh, as we talked about before. Giants have no expectations to do good. They're actually thinking about them shooting for the uh, number one spot. 
because they have no expectations. And I don't know if they're full in on Daniel Jones. Is that their quarterback's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Washington, I don't know. They need just about everything on their team. So they need a complete revamp. And uh, their front office, I feel like, needs needs to figure something out because that, that's terrible. Um, Philly, to me, has – Philly to me has more has no excuses to me honestly, even though they get they've had they got a lot of injuries and they had a lot of injuries in the past, they should still be able to get it done since, at, like we talked about their core their their number one thing was like the number one thing in the NFL is what quarterback, their quarterback their guy is on the field, if they're protecting and they can throw anybody and just like last year they threw anybody out there and he threw it to him and they got him he got him to the promised land, they should be able to do the same thing and win a couple games. Um, okay. <clears throat> that line situation is much different than the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I believe it. But still, though, they could have – they can win a couple – they lost to – they lost to Washington. So, what does that say about them? I mean, yeah. But you have to put in perspective, too. Like, so, Washington, overall, defensively, actually has a solid defense. Okay. Or interior. Their front line and – the linebacker. linebacker core is actually pretty solid. Defensively, okay. like defensive backs, they're a little shaky. <laughs> they got Landon <laughs> Collins back there. You know, he is okay when he wants to be. But, however, that front seven is arguably top ten in the NFL uh, when it comes to that. And then when you're going against a weaker line and an uh, injured line, you can take full advantage of that. You know, and – you know, teams have been doing just that, you know, taking full advantage of the Eagles. And when it comes to the, the Giants, they just just need a new team. You know, they they, oh they some they some years they some years down the line where they need some time to kind of figure out some things because honestly, they they feel that Daniel Jones was their guy, but now they have to put in respect to is he? Are they are they regretting the decision do you think I, then? I feel like it. I feel like it. He doesn't fit the scheme that I believe they wanted. Uh, what type of scheme they went off a word what type of scheme would you put him in uh daniel jones is more of a system kind of system guy like i think he'll be actually fitting for like the patriots like a system where adjusts to your your capabilities and your abilities such as like the patriots okay I understand your strengths may not be throwing the ball down deep. Let's figure out ways to get the ball underneath and and, and into screens and so on. Whereas the Giants right now, they come into a new offensive coordinator with uh, Jason Garrett from the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, wow. Exactly. So you take him and he wants to mold Daniel Jones into his system because that's his system. Right. So you're trying to force it upon him and that's just not his system. And that's just not how he functions. So – now you have errors and mistakes and, and, and by default losses. And, and God knows with the loss of Saquon, Barley, uh, Saquon Barkley is even worse. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's saddening because I'm like, sheesh, I want to get out of that situation because Saquon is such a talented person and deserves probably more. And uh, with Dallas, Dallas has arguably the top five offense in the league. No, <laughs> and when healthy, when healthy, yeah, like well, not even healthy. All they need is that. No, no funny, no funny. That no, alone. No, no, uh, 
Oh, I forgot who they paid the, paid all their money for at the receiver. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Oh, uh, Amari Cooper. No, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, you. So they have enough talent around it mm-hmm. that if one worst person to go down, like Amari Cooper and so on, they have enough to fall back on. Like C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, and they have enough That's players yeah, to build on. So, and then even if you do honestly, like you do lose Ezekiel, yes, that plays a role. But you have a backup in Pollard. That's actually not bad. And they honestly have one of the top 10 linemen in the league. So, well, top line, period. And it's just a lot of things that come into play with that. So when Dak goes down, that's actually your whole whole functioning. Like, everything goes out of whack, as you can see. Like, Dak is still leading the NFL in passing yards after missing an entire week. Now, how much of that is it because Dallas has been playing behind for some – Oh, uh, I mean, it plays a huge, huge role, of course, because now you have to go out your way to throw the ball, you know, to try to distribute the ball the ways you can through the air. So, yeah, that gives Dak the opportunity to showcase his skills, but it just shows that you are able to manage that much of a load when needed. Right. You know, so that's that's the that's what I think of that. Okay. I mean, that make you guys are bringing up some good points. Um. Kiva, you talked about Saquon Barkley. I think, like, I agree with you. His prime years are being wasted in in New York. I think he, outside of Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, I think Saquon's the best back in the league. And you could throw in Christian McCaffrey as well. Oh. Um, but I just Christian, Christian, Christian kind of above Derrick Henry. But he yeah, I was. Right. I thought Christian was around number number two and three. Oh. Yeah, nah, Christian, Christian, he's top running back in the league, if you ask me. Y'all be the back in the league. Yeah. Okay. And it's coming from a running back. <laughs> <laughs> what can wait, so hold on. Let's 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 drop the NFC East for a little bit because no one really wants to talk about that. But um <laughs> <laughs> what makes Christian McCaffrey better than Derrick Henry? in your opinion. His versatility, where he can go outside. He don't have to be in the backfield. Okay. That's that's his biggest threat, is he doesn't have to be in the backfield. He can be used outside as a receiver. He can be used as, shoot, even a passer. That's the craziest part. Not, not saying Derrick Henry can't do that, but Derrick Henry is not a receiver. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry alone gets respect because of his bulldozing style. So what about durability, though? Could we argue that Derrick Henry is more durable than Christian McCaffrey because of his size? Uh, yeah, you can argue that. But you also have to just look at it in the perspective, too. So the way Christian McCaffrey being used compared to Derrick Henry can probably be the reason that durability is different. Mm-hmm. But it, it all comes a different place because – I was about to say, you put Christian McCaffrey on the outside, you're getting more possibility of, like, coming across the middle, getting hit by a linebacker. Whereas, Derrick Henry, he takes a load, 31, 31 carries a game. But he's built for it. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of a different species. Now, don't get me wrong, Christian McCaffrey has definitely put on the size to try to take more of the load. But Derrick Henry has been doing this for some years now, and he's been doing it in college, and it's just natural for him. And honestly, he just – Man, it's different. <laughs> okay. I'll say, I'll just think about it again. Crazy stat 
for him when he was in like high school, he carried the ball. I think it was like, I think it was like 40, 40 some times in like a game. And like one, that was yeah, like, like one. 400 some yards. Yeah. It, like I couldn't imagine, <laughs> but just, I was like, I couldn't imagine like getting, getting that, just running the ball that many times every single time. And like thinking like, okay, my body's going to last. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kiva, as a running back, could you, could you imagine carrying the ball 30 plus times a game consistently throughout the season? I would love to carry the ball 30 plus a game. <laughs> I would, I would, and my behalf, yes, I would love to, but um, all realistically, and you know, in all realness, your body does start to wear and tear. That's just part of the game. Like, you know, the more you run, the more hits you take, your legs will feel it. But however, it's one of those situations, it's only how you train. That's what separates the difference. Like, for example, Derrick Henry actually works out right after the game. Right. So like, yeah, right after the game. No, no jokes. Like, and it's not like an upper body workout. It's a literally a lower body workout. Like, so when you put in perspective, the way you train will result into how you be able to manage the load that you get put into it, and, you know, in the game. Okay. So, like, those 30-plus carries is probably, like, his second win. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, I'm actually just getting into it. Like, I'm really starting to get going compared to a guy that's, you know, doing the bare minimum and, like, he's getting 20 carries and, like, whew, you know, I'm tapping out the game. I need somebody else to come in. And that's where I think the difference comes in. Like, is how you train. Are you training to take that load or are you training just to be like, okay, I'm here to do my part? Okay. Not to be the, the offense, you so know what I mean? So let me ask you a question. So running backs like you and McCaffrey who are more versatile and who have a lot of action in the passing game, are you working out differently to compare to a running back like Derrick Henry or Eric Dickinson who's, who are bigger backs who aren't really that active in the passing game or are carrying the ball down the middle multiple times? Yeah, um, of course, because you want to be open to – Everything in your game, like I think for Derrick Henry aspect is where he trains what he knows is his strength. You know, like I know me carrying the load in between the tackles is my strength. Let me not step outside of my game and lose focus of what I'm good at and be behind now once it comes to the season. Like so whereas in myself, I can train by doing some slot receiver, uh, slot workouts and then doing running back workouts because I know I can be used differently in the system. Like if we go empty, I know I can still be on the field because I'm the slot. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing screens and slants and, and even goals when needed. So, but Derrick Henry, his forte is I'm gonna run through your face, you know, and like, you gonna have to stop me. So why, why am I changing my resume to try to be something that I'm not? Gotcha, gotcha. So. I see what you're saying. Uh, speaking of staying true to your game and durability, consistency, and guys that work out multiple times post-work, post-game, pre-game, um, let's talk about some basketball guys. Let's talk about LeBron. LeBron, as you guys know, won his fourth ring uh, with the LA Lakers, being the Miami Heat in six games. Um, the question that always gets brought up is, where does LeBron rank amongst the all-time greats? And you start to see a divide with players, coaches from the older generation, having a difference of opinion from guys, players, coaches that are considered from our generation, the millennials. Um, 
I guess the question is, guys, where do you where do you guys see LeBron ranked amongst all time greats after him winning his fourth ring? Dre, you want to start with this one? Uh, still same spot for me. Like I said, uh, I still got him. Actually, he might have took that spot from Kareem. I'm not sure. That that's a hard one for him. Uh, like I said, he's. To me, I think he'll all all time, just finishing wise, when he's actually done with his career, I think he's gonna finish top ten or top five in every single statistical category. Mm-hmm. And I but I think he'll finish with I don't know if he'll get one more ring. Cause I just don't know when he's gonna be done. Which yeah. is which is a scary scary thing to say because I couldn't imagine a league without LeBron. Um so to me right now, he's he's three. But when he's finished He'll probably be one, one or two. So you think it, at the end of his career he'll end up being the greatest player? I, I think he'll end up one or two, honestly. Because it's so if you think about it, it's crazy. He's gonna finish every. He's gonna finish top, finishing scoring probably number one. Uh, he'll be top, top ten and assist. If he's not already, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Not top three, and assist. He's, no, top ten. I oh, said top, top ten. 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So top ten in assist. Uh rebounding, I'm not sure where he is. If he's up there with that. Because it's a lot of it's been a lot of rebounders. Yeah. But just those those two uh statistical categories, he's uh, most in points in the playoffs, most uh most assist in the play- no, not most assist in the playoffs. Most points in the playoffs, most wins in the playoffs, most minutes in the playoffs. Uh, I, he'll probably go to the finals maybe two more times, I would say. Mm-hmm. I'll probably give him two more times. Does he win those two times? Never know. Anything can happen. Um, so, man, LeBron's resume is going to be, like, jam-packed to where it's going to take more than just – it's going to be more than just one or two sheets to just, like, fill it. Man, and, and the fourth ring, four rings, three different teams, that's tough. Three different organizations, three different uh, three different sets of like teammates. You're take you're carrying to the finals. We're well, not carrying, but taking to the finals. Yeah, that that's tough, man. Okay, um, you, you said it right, carrying. Yeah, <laughs> I want to I want to tackle this subject, guys. Um, so ahead, there's a lot of there's a lot of new <laughs> there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of details in this. So we have to start off by saying that what we've seen from LeBron over the course of these 17 years. Is something we've never seen before across from any sport. You know, maybe Cal Ripken in baseball, but maybe in baseball is nowhere near as it is as it is in basketball. So we have to give credit for LeBron being the most durable basketball player of all time. And that's due to his diet, his workout regimen, how he takes care of himself, takes care of himself. I will say that LeBron is the most detailed athlete basketball player when it comes to that whole his whole offseason workout regimen that's the, he's the most detailed basketball player I've ever seen so what happens is we always think about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and their extreme work ethic but you could argue that Kobe worked so hard that he shortened his career by three or four seasons because he just ran his body to the ground now LeBron was he's working hard as well but he's working smart as well he's got he's investing a million dollars into his trainers into his diet 
uh, he's on this like brand new workout regimen, like calisthenics and plyometrics. It's stuff that's never been seen before. Now I'll have, so I'll give him credit for that. But we also have to take into account that LeBron has fallen short in big moments, i.e. 2011 against the Dallas Mavericks. Now we have, we can't, or we have to say that he came up short in those last four games and also 09 against Orlando came up short. Uh, 07 against the Spurs. Now he didn't win a game. He wasn't expected to. He was still young, but still, I think if you get to the finals, you have to win one game at least. Uh, and 2014 against the Spurs, he lost in five games. I did, we've seen so many times where LeBron has fallen short, but I don't want to have that factor right there take away from the fact that he's gotten to the finals so many times. Because two things can be right at the same time. He can beat he can fall short, but he can also be consistent in winning. Two things can be right at the same time. But also, I think with the fact, like, so with him losing so many times, I think that has to play a factor in where he ranks. Now, as you guys know, LeBron, before this season started, was not in my top five. But I think with, with I believe with him winning the championship, he moves up to number four, in my opinion. So I still have MJ. I still have Kareem. I still have Bill Russell. But right behind him is now LeBron James. Now, I will say this. If LeBron wins one more ring, LeBron moves into my top two. He's the second best player of all time. I think he needs one more ring, in my opinion. But that's just me. Kiva, what do you think? So, I mean, so with that being said, you don't think Kobe's not even respectively in the top five? Kobe's in – Kobe is my 11th ranked player all time yeah, but i know it, it, it was it was baffling to me but I, it's okay but kobe and kobe in my opinion is the most skilled player of all time i in my in my opinion kobe's the most skilled player i've ever seen play lebron is number one <laughs> <laughs> hey yo i just talked for like seven minutes and <laughs> can we just get that great Response right LeBron there. is LeBron is number one, my boy, and I, and I tell you, I tell you the only reason why is because every person you name, he can do exactly what he did, what he do. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. And I feel like if it came down and you put LeBron in each of those eras, he can do everything that they did too. Okay, okay. I truly, but, honestly, feel that way. Hold on, but then you could say that probably with. I feel like you could say that with Jordan. You could put him in any era and he'll be fine. Okay, Kareem would be cool too. Being honest, okay. Kareem averaged what about thirty a game? Uh, in his his best prime years, he's averaging thirty a game. So, off that, you put him in this era. He gonna. It's not like he's not gonna get foul calls. He's gonna be just. He's gonna be athletic. They're gonna put him through the same regiment as as they did like other people now. So he's gonna be even more. He's gonna be even more nice. And he's gonna be spotting up at three at the three hidden jumpers. He ain't gonna be calling any towns shooting them, but he's gonna shoot it at just enough clip to get you a bucket to, to make people play honest. And then he's gonna get them down the post and just go to work. I never thought of it like that. All right, all right, all right. But, yeah, LeBron's still number one. 
Listen, I LeBron you have Kobe at eleven, bro. Come on, <laughs> is eleven, but Kobe, like I said, is the most skilled athlete, skilled player I've ever seen. But I think I've seen LeBron come short too many times to put him above Jordan. It's in my opinion. But if he wins another ring, he's in my top two. Second best player of all time. But look uh, at how many times he's been there. Right, which is why he's so high right now. So just because you get there and you fell short doesn't mean that you're not a winner. But I mean, at what point does getting there – when when was getting there enough? You know what I mean? When, since I, when I was that good enough? But when was getting there just supposed to be the normal? And that's the norm because of the expectations we have of LeBron. So oh, right. you heard what you said? The expectation you have of that man. You have that high of an expectation. That man has to be number one. Him, my expectations of him is because he's number four. I expect him to be, I expect him to be one of the best of all time. But because he's come up short, that's why I have him where he is. You so want that man to be ten and zero. Fact, low key. Like, come on, come on. I'm not okay. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say he needs to be perfect. But I will say this: I wouldn't be as critical of LeBron if I didn't think so highly of him. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. But it's still, you have to, you have to put a a line between greatness and just okay. This is just normal. Yeah, ten finals is not normal, let alone it's going not. eight straight. Oh no, it's not. That's that's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen any athlete do across all sports. Exactly. But, I mean, we gotta win. We gotta we gotta do something when we get there. So when Jordan wasn't winning in the first round, then what? Are we really gonna bring that narrative up? The Jordan did the first round. That's that's the worst narrative. <laughs> Come on now. Every everybody knows that. Okay, but I'm saying, all right. So, I'm gonna put it like this: After we're we're talking about after he got to the finals, just like LeBron. After LeBron got to the finals, he figured out he figured out the formula and how to get to it. He ain't stopped going, other than probably some injury, an injury year, and what? That's the only thing I think of was an injury year. So he hasn't right. stopped. But I'm saying like, so when Jordan was when Jordan figured out how to go to the finals. Did he not go? What year did he not go other than when the years he retired? When every year. True. So I'm saying it it would have been the norm. It's the norm. The norm for the that Bulls team was it's finals or bust every year. The norm for the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq is it's finals or bust every year. The norm for Kobe was, oh, it's finals or bust every year. So it's not when you when you get that title of Mount Rushmore, greatest player ever. You got its finals or bust for you every year, or yeah. it's championship or bust. You can't, you can't just like we gonna hold. If we gonna hold greatness, we like you said, like we want greatness. We you, he's he's great. He's the greatest. He's the king. We hold him to the same standard as other people. We figured is great, and to me, he's he's like I, like to me. I think he's done everything he can, other than a couple finals. That 2011 finals, I'll be like, all right, he fell short. Mm-hmm. Um, the 07 finals, they had no real chance. Should have won a game, but he ain't want to go out like AI did, and AI put up 50, put up a 50 piece <laughs> uh, to get his game. You know, real greatness right there, real dog. 
and then what was it? Like you said, the fourteen finals. Um, I don't know that that was one where I could say he truly lost. That they truly lost. They were they were completely outgunned, outcoached, outmatched, and that was probably one of the biggest finals margin histories, like lost histories, because it was none of those games were necessarily close. Yeah, that's very true. And, and then, yeah, and then the the finals against the Warriors, um, the Kyrie love being hurt. Mm-hmm. Hey man, you you play who's in front of you. That's what we we always talk about. That can't be mad about that. Good point. Um, the finals when the Warriors had KD, probably one of the best teams ever assembled, but at the same time. You got to – like, you got there. Win me some games. Hey, win, win a couple games. That's all that – that's all we going to ask for. Win a couple games. Well, actually, he would have had a game. Oh, you going to blame JR for that? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, we all seen it, though. We, he would have had a game. He knew he would have had a game. But, okay, so – But we forgot so the time. My question, so, my question is, at that point, man – this is where I think this is where Krishan, I we've talked about this and we're like I now somebody explained it to me and I can see why it's critical. And those moments of when he passes it to a person who shouldn't first of all, they don't even have the contract to shoot, this, <laughs> shoot that shot. <laughs> why why are you passing it to George Hill right there? Or why are you passing it to to any to, to Danny Green or to, to Ruby Gibson? My fault. You the king, you the greatest. We done seen all your workouts and you throwing sky hooks from across the lane over on the three point from the three point line or something like that. Like Yeah. Go that's the thing about we 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 seen with Jordan and Kobe or just any other great or K, even K D. Go get it done. That's all we want to hear. Yeah. And though MJ you know, MJ kicked it out too though. MJ kicked it out for one finals game. You see This is his one his, final game too to kick it out. But I'm saying you seen with his with his final, with his final last one, and you was he against Utah? Who shot that last shot? Okay, I feel you. Who? Okay. Who? Oh, hey, it's gonna be it's me. Like I'm putting it in my hands, and it was just it was just an example of this finals when it was a whole uproar of should he pass Denny Green? Should he not have? Okay, mm-hmm. Bron, don't even get the screen. We done seen you go ahead and go one on one against everybody this whole time. We have clips of you going one-on-one, boom, boom, between the legs, between the legs, go by, pull up at the elbow, which is your shot. That's your, that's your specialty. Or I don't want, I don't want a, a free throw line finish for a game. I, that's, to me, that's the weakest thing. Don't put it in the ref's hand. Put it in your hands. Go get you a bucket, pull up, or go finish and dunk on somebody. I just seen you do it two plays ago. <laughs> you jammed on Jimmy Butler and, like, and Bam Adebayo. So I'm I saying, like, that. that's, that's the only time when people be like, dang, that's like, like, what's up with him? Why? Like, he's such a good player. It's, it's to a fault. That's he, his, his basketball IQ is so high. It's to a fault. That's the only thing. That's the only knock that you can have really have at LeBron. And some free throws. That's about it. People going to bring up free throws, but that's, that's, that's nitpicking here and there. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. That's, and that's real. I feel that. You know, and I truly is can see where you're coming from with that. And I understand that part. So, I think, however, way you look at it, whatever side of the debate spectrum you're on, 
LeBron is an all-time great. That can't be debated, and that can't be taken away from him. But it will be interesting to see how his career unfolds in the twilight years of his career. But let's take a break from basketball real quick, guys. Let's talk some baseball. Uh, as you guys know, the MLB World Series are un- is underway. The Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays, sorry, by the best record in AL, is going to look up against the loaded, stacked Los Angeles Dodgers. Man. I just want to get you guys' predictions real quick. But, I mean, let's. I want to look at the Dodgers lineup real quick, though. I mean, think about this, guys. They got Mookie Betts, Corey That boy, Smith. Mookie. <laughs> that boy about to get the ring. Justin Turner, uh, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith. And I'm not even in the whole lineup. And they also have playing Kershaw. Uh, I was still a pitcher. starting pitcher. Uh, I mean, guys, that is a loaded – lineup with the Dodgers. Uh, what are you guys' predictions for this series? Anyone? I got Dodgers. You got Dodgers? Yeah. I'm going Dodgers in six. Maybe even less. Dodgers in six. Okay. Keep it who you got. Honestly, Dodgers, Dodgers, uh, yeah, I'm on the same boat as him. Dodgers in six. Okay, I'll go. I have Tampa Bay in seven. But mm. I want to I want to explain to you why. This dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, oh, just hear me out. So I, I'm listening. I, I'm for, listening. For, right. for too long, I've seen the Dodgers come up short in the playoffs. And if we're being quite frank, they should have lost to the Braves in seven of the NLC. Atlanta curse. That could be the Atlanta <laughs> curse. Well, it could, I think it's a it's a Dodger curse actually, because this isn't the first year that they've had a stacked lineup. You know, we can go back the past four or five years; they've had arguably on paper the best lineup in baseball, maybe outside of the Astros. But I see them come up short too many times, especially last year against the Nationals. But what happens is their bats, their batting, disappears. And that's where their star power comes from, obviously, from the offense, but the, that middle part of the lineup. And I think with them going up against arguably the team that had the best bullpen in uh, in baseball in Tampa Bay, I think that that is going to play a factor. I think that the rookie uh, out of Tampa Bay, what's his name, uh, Arraza Arena, mm-hmm. he's, he's playing at an MVP caliber level. Uh, him with uh, Manuel Margot, uh, with Blake Shell and Brian Thompson, uh, starting pitchers. I see Tampa Bay pulling off the upset. I think they're on a they're on a streak right now. They knocked off the other best team, the second best team in MLB with the Houston Astros. I see them continuing this role and winning the series in seven, man. Mm. 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 But you know that's just you just jumped off a cliff there. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. But uh, but that's what I got for baseball, man. Um, let's talk about some college football real quick. We have Uh-oh. a great running back right here, so I figured we might as well get a college football game in. Uh, Kiva, we've got number eighteen Michigan going up against the twenty-first ranked Minnesota Gophers. Right now, the line reads Michigan minus three. Uh, obviously, this is a return to Big Ten play action. Mm-hmm. Arguably one of the best games this week. Uh, 
Kiva, what do what are you thinking, man? What you got? What you got? Minnesota. Minnesota's gonna win. Oh. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Um lack of performance of Michigan offense gonna definitely hold them back in the long run. Uh and then also too, you have to put in perspective. Minnesota is still coming off a big time, like kind of game win against their uh, Auburn and that old bowl game. Whereas Michigan is coming off a two games loss back to back from their previous year against Alabama and I want to say Ohio State. And um, yeah. with that being said, Michigan also is bringing in a new quarterback, four new offensive linemen, uh, and a new young group of uh, receivers where you basically just have a whole new front, like front line for offense. And this is your very first game against a Minnesota team that is actually good. And uh, whereas in Minnesota's offensively-wise is kind of loaded a little bit. Yeah. They have Morgan at quarterback, and then they still have Bateman at uh, a receiver, which is NFL-bound. Hey, Bateman might be the best receiver in college football. I mean, yeah. maybe outside of uh, <laughs> uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. But... I was about to say, you yeah. just said that – Alabama had the best receiving core. Yeah, yeah I'm outside of the Bama boys, but he's in top five for sure. Okay, he's in the top five for sure, and I definitely feel that he is going to show that why he's top five this this upcoming Saturday. And I believe that Minnesota will take it though, and I feel like that defense will produce enough to create a win. And I feel like Michigan is still is this this year or even next year it will be John Harbaugh's last year. Oh, fired, fired or going back to NFL? Fired. Because hmm. oh. of production, lack of production. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it has been, like I said, like I've heard before, uh, Harbaugh has come up short in a lot of big games. Mm-hmm. Come up short a lot. Like, I don't think he's ever beat, who was it? He's never beat Michigan State two to- twice in a row. He's never That'd beat be Ohio State. He's never beaten Ohio State. Never beaten Ohio State. Um, he had he's been having some tough times in college. I can't tell if he's just because he's a he's a NFL only type of guy, or it's just he just doesn't just doesn't got it. I guess. Um, but like he said, Michigan's coming off what two 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 losses in a row. Mm-hmm. Whole new a bunch of new guys. Are they gonna be you know Are they gonna be ready? Are they gonna be start like kind of there in the headlights? And then Minnesota's already like you. How you said it is Minnesota has the experience to win and Minnesota's going to win because of their talent overall. And uh, would you say John Bo Harbaugh is going to be outcoached? Oh, uh, he's not going to have a job. No, no. Would it be outcoached this game? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Minnesota head coach is actually phenomenal. Like, I think what makes him phenomenal is not only his knowledge, but his relationship. I think that's yeah. the difference between – Harbaugh and probably a couple of other coaches as well, like Ohio State and uh, Penn State, it's, it's relationships-wise. Because once you understand and you know your player, you can honestly put him in the best position to win regardless of what scheme or what team you're going against. Because honestly, like, honestly, when you just use your knowledge, like, oh, I know this is going to work, but when you put the guy that you think is just best, it always doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. So you utilize your, like, your players by relationship by knowing that I know that you're good enough and I trust you and I've seen this and I, and I, and I know for a fact that you're going to win in this, in this game. 
which is going to build that relationship. And, and that put trust in there because now the player not only building trust, you building trust because the player look at it, well, wow, coach is actually trying to work with me and trying to make the most. So they're going to try to go 10 times harder for you. And I feel like that's what's going on with Minnesota. Minnesota had arguably one of the best years they ever had in their program last year. So. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree with what you said, Keila, that Harbard, John Harbard, this will be his last, either his, this, these last two years are going to be his last year. Last two years. Unless he makes some type of uh, remarkable run, like remarkable run and just go undefeated. I don't see that happening, though, with the big Yeah, yeah nah. Right now. Uh, I also have Minnesota winning this game by a score of 24 to 17. Like you said, a lot of new players on the offensive line and all the offense in general at Michigan. But Minnesota is bringing back that dynamic duel of Morgan and Bateman. But also, Minnesota has a good interior as well. They've got a good D-line. I think that's mm-hmm. going to cause disruption for Michigan. I just don't see the Michigan offense getting going. That's been the problem, though, since Harbaugh, Harbaugh, Harbaugh has been there. has been the offense, yeah. in my opinion. The defense has been stout. It's been excellent. but That's what they're known for. I feel like that's what their identity is, and that's what they – would they kind of like cope themselves like I'm a defensive team and but that autumn ultimately in the long run that kind of fails them because you need some type of offensive skill or players to produce and that's where it falls all down to and then it's just it's just it's gonna be sloppy I feel like it's gonna be a sloppy performance just a simple fact because this is the first game and they're not playing in the regular time in it like you know football usually is played in so not only are you going to be out there trying to perform, but you also going to have to try to gel with, the, with your teammate in a live game and against other players that have no clue who you are that's actually trying to take your head off and, like, trying to do their job. So I feel like it's going to be a tough time trying to adjust. So. Right, right. Let me get a score from you guys. What's, what's the score you guys got for the game? Oh. Oh man, he just said it's gonna be sloppy. So I'm thinking it. Uh, what? Probably it's gonna be some crazy like 1714. 1714. 2410. 2410. Oh, you don't oh. see close at all. Okay, damn. Well, if you're not gonna score, that's the same as. Hmm. That's true. Okay. All right, so we're all kind of on the same page. All right, let's go to some NFL. Let's talk some NFL predictions real quick, guys. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, uh, pick him game at the moment. Uh, Dre, why don't you start us out? Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, uh, battle undefeated, I think. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, had Tannehill's been what? Tannehill, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions? Yep. So, I don't know, man. But I would never, ever go against Big Ben again because – <laughs> Last time I did that, it didn't work out for me. I don't know why. He is. He, I don't, after I, the last time I seen him, he looked. Last time I like sat down and watched him, he looked very out of shape and kind of slow and very little sloppy. But it seems like this year he's got it on page. He knows what he's doing. He knows his team now. Uh, I'm gonna go Pitt. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. You got a score? Yeah. Uh, what was their pass score? Uh, I mean, 38 to 7. You said it was what? 38 to 7 last week. 
crazy. Yeah, they blew out. Quick. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go thirty twenty probably. Uh, because I don't think Tennessee. I don't think Tannehill's gonna throw something crazy like that this shape, this game. And I think Pittsburgh's just gonna load the box on uh, on what's them on uh Derrick Henry. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's nothing but running for Tennessee. So I think Pitt gets enough stops and they'll be fine. Okay, thirty twenty. Kiva, what you got? Oh man, uh, we got elite offense versus elite defense. Where Tennessee, they categorize in top five and everything besides passing, which is eleventh. Yeah. And Pittsburgh defense is top five and everything besides passing, which is eighth. Yeah. So honestly, I think it's going to come down to passion. Like, um, I think personally, if they can find a way to stop Derrick Henry, they win the game, ultimately. But I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game at all. Because although Tennessee is allowed, like I have allowed some points, some Man. high numbers against like Houston and so on, like this past week, I feel like it's going to be ultimately like a 21-14 Something, something kind of like a regular score, and worst case scenario could be even seventeen fourteen. But um, I think the game is going to have to be won through Big Ben, because I think Tennessee's defensive line and front seven is strong enough to stop James Conner. Mm-hmm. And uh, but however, I feel like Ryan Tannehill will make some plays. Will make like ultimately uh, some type of impact to the game because there's so much focus on Derrick Henry where you leaving holes and gaps for Ryan Tannehill to make plays, ultimately. Because uh, he's not having a bad year at all. He's actually controlling his situation perfectly. Like, yeah. he's playing perfect football for his role. Like, it's it's well known that this is Derrick Henry's offense. Do your job. That's all we can ask for. And he's, he's doing that perfectly. He can't ask for more. So, I personally see him actually having – a fantasy game where it's going to be like, oh, oh, snap, like, who is this? But in the long run, I feel like Pittsburgh is still going to overcome as long as they can contain um, Derrick Henry because their front seven the, – the defense in general is strong. However, they just had a huge loss with Devin Bush, which uh, could take, shake some things up because you now you have somebody that's a little bit new in the middle. But uh, if the team can come together and play like I know they can – It'd be perfectly fine, because what I seen last week is beautiful. Let me ask you about this: is, is Ryan Tannehill a legitimate MVP candidate? No, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll say no. I, I, that's the crazy thing. I've heard that. I've looked at that, and I heard that same thing. They said he might be an MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been talks, but you have to look. No, Derrick Henry. No, Ryan Tannehill for real. <laughs> because Derrick Henry is the reason Ryan Tannehill is producing. Okay. You have to focus on, well, dang, I got to stop the run. Like, there's no way I can say, Derek Henry, you run wild, and we're going to just focus on this passing game. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't even going to happen. So, if you take away Derek Henry and you put, like, a, a, who, who, like a Devin Freeman, nothing against him, or just a, a unknown back, really, back there, yeah. it's no success. They wouldn't even be 5 0 right now. Mm. Or 6 0. All right, so let me ask you guys another question as well. If you want to move on, is Pittsburgh better than Baltimore right now? Ooh, I don't know about that one. Yes. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Why? Why? Why yes, Cuba? Why yes? Uh, 
I feel like their their run game is not totally in sync like it was last year. Um, as you can see, they're putting up points, mm-hmm. but they're putting up points like as in through the air, which Pittsburgh ultimately can control that with that radar, like Minka range and going back and forth. You have guys in the back and the secondary to be able to make those plays. That secondary might be better than the D-line or the interior in Pittsburgh. Mm, nah. You don't think so? Nah. That interior is second in the NFL to when they come to that run game. Ooh. And it's, they have the most sacks in the NFL right now. Most sacks in the NFL? Okay. They're making plays. And honestly, that's why the defensive backs are not capable of show, uh, showcasing their skills because <laughs> there's no balls being put out through there. Okay. So, you know, and like I think they were just saying this is the first time in five games where you have a team uh, with at least three sacks or more and an interception for a five-game streak. That's tough, man. So – you got to put it in perspective. If they can create pressure on Lamar, yes, he can create plays on his on his feet. But if you contain him inside that box and force him to try to be a complete pocket passer, don't get me wrong, he can make plays with his arms, but there's times of inconsistency, and that's where we can make – well, they can make them pay, you know. <laughs> I know, you know, you, you got to put in realistic, I sh- you know, so some support. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately, I think they are the better team. However, it, it's – the series probably would be split one to one. It's not going to be no sweep. Okay, okay, I see. Well, I mean, that's both, just a tough, tough yeah. combo. Both those teams are really talented. All three: Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Baltimore. So this game's going to be interesting to watch. Or good, good game to watch. So let's go. Let's move over to the NFC. We've got Seattle, Arizona. What you guys Ooh. got? You know, boy. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I'm going Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. That was the perfect pick. Can't go against it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just – Russell Wilson's going to be MVP by the end of this year, man. Russell Wilson's going to be MVP. Yeah, I That's agree. the guy. <laughs> How about I say because, man, he, he he balling out. I can't even take it away yeah, from him. Hey. Right. And then – if if the reports are true and they get that that one more guy uh, who I heard about, there's no one stopping them offensively. Like I, no, I just don't. Oh, yeah. well, actually, two. If they two. get two of those guys, if yeah. they get Josh Gordon, and somehow Antonio Brown falls there, it's not even What partner that up with DK Metcalf? Oh, that's that's one. Yeah. But and then it comes into question a little bit. Like, where do you put DK? I can put that giant freak inside of a slot where you ultimately have <laughs> nobody that can honestly man-to-man this guy, or do you continue him and just use A.B. in the slot if he do come to the season? I think you put A.B. in the slot because A.B. is yeah. not a runner. I agree. Yeah. Man. It's just, it just not even fair. Okay, quick question. Where's Who's your top five wide receivers right now? Does, does Julio lose his number one spot? No. No. And no. Because although Matt Ryan is causing him to kind of, like, slow the production, because Calvin really is going incorrect, like, insane this season. Uh, he's in my top five. Top five uh, receivers? Yeah, this year. Or are you talking about just in general in the NFL, like, 
Period. In general. In general. Okay. He he not in the top five then. But <laughs> uh top five, let me see. Yeah, Julio. Uh, I'm yeah. not gonna use A B because he's not there. Then you got DeAndre Hopkins right behind him, Devontae Adams. Um, let me see. I was just speaking of who was it? Keenan Allen. And then lastly, uh it's maybe on the limb, but Stefan Diggs. The wow. Diggs. Left out yeah. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. I, I honestly when Michael Thomas expand his game through his route running, then I'll put him in the top five. I feel like he makes excellent plays off of slants. Surprised when you put uh, – just because I live here in Missouri, I'm surprised when you put in Tyreek Hill or somebody else in, from the KC. But that's more so – When I look at it, like, take Pat Mahomes and use him with Julio Jones. It's insane. Like, it's, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. You have a speed that is incredible. That's God's gift. But when you look at it, every player will look beautiful with Pat Mahomes. Like, I had him kept. Yeah. I, he, I, he puts him in great position. But I also think whoever, whatever receiver is paired up with Julio, it's going to look outstanding because Julio's going to draw a double. He grow, yeah, he grabs doubles at all times. Well, you have to put in respect to Calvin really still put up 100, actually 150 plus when Julio sat out. He did. Right. So it's, it's one of those situations you have to respect Calvin really because Calvin is emerging to be one of the better receivers now. So, yes, it becomes a headache because you look over there, you have Julio Jones, who's arguably one of the best receivers of all time. And you have Calvin Ridley, who is still making plays and healthy this season and is dominating. Right. So, it's it's like a juggling game because you really don't want to be like, oh, just leave Julio over one-on-one. And then you look over and you're like, well, now what he's bagging everybody. You double Julio. Now you got Calvin making plays. Right. Yeah. So that's fair. Uh, what is wrong with Atlanta? Oh my God. <laughs> personally, it's their it's their defense. I agree. I was about to say that, Keith. Go ahead. It's the defense. Yeah, I'm about to say because they have the talent and I feel like they just have lack of chemistry and like a a, a lack of chemistry and like their gel like to come together because personally that grit is not there. Like, yeah. to finish games or even come back when it's a close game, they just don't have it. They don't have that it factor. They have the players, but just don't have the determination to be like, I'm better than them. I'm going to put my will on them and, make, and win this game. They don't have that. Because there's no way that the Cowboys should have came back and won. There's no way that the Bears should have came back and won. Like, they should be 4-2 and two, roughly right now. So, so what's wrong with them is it's a mental thing. All right. Yeah. I think it's a cultural, it's a cultural thing too. Uh, yeah. I think, I think a little bit like you have players that's in their own way. Yeah. Of wanting to be the face rather than the team. Right. You don't really so. see that more in the NBA though. You don't necessarily see that too often. In- Not in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, but it depends on what team you are. Like, if your team is not having success, some people just value, just arguably value their personal success more than let's try to help the team get a few dubs. Yeah. Like, we 2-14. and 14. We ain't doing nothing. Let me go ahead and get these stats up. That's how some players may look at it. 
I'm not saying publicly, but yeah. In the back, yeah. I'm saying that. I agree. What's the score? I didn't get a score from you guys. Let me get a score. Seattle, Arizona. Uh, you got this one first. I'm going to go off you. I got 31-15, Seattle. You said you got what? 31-15. 15? Yeah. Or 14, sorry. Okay, I got 31-14, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see Literally. <laughs> yeah. you don't see I mean, it goes wrong. Arizona is definitely emerging to be a good team, but this not against this team. 24. <laughs> yeah. 24-13, then. I'll go to that. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, real quick, guys. Let's do one quick, quick prediction for this last game. It's the Monday night game, uh, Chicago and the Rams. Right now, uh, LA is has a spread of minus six. But real quick, guys, what's your guys' prediction? Uh, Chicago's been winning games. I don't know. Me personally, I don't know how. I just first of all, their their defense is amazing. I, I'm guessing that is at the front. Yeah, yeah, I mean, nah, really, their defense overall yeah. is amazing. I'll say, um, I think that that pickup for the DN, what's the DN's name again? Khalil Mack. Yeah, the, the pickup for Khalil Mack was ultimately a whole, like, franchise changer for them because they were dead in the dirt, and now they're looking pretty tough as as a unit. Nick Foles is there, not Mitchell Trubisky anymore. So, I don't know. I – I might I might go against that and have Chicago win that that game against LA. Okay, Kiva, what you got? The score? Um, I got the Bears and uh, a wild one. I'm gonna go for eleven, say sixteen, thirteen. That low? Okay. Yeah, I mean, Rams defense is pretty good too. And no, no, no. said Rams and Bears, right? Yeah, yeah. Rams defense is good too, and ain't no ain't nobody really stopping Aaron Donald on that line at least. Oh no! So, how much time do you really have to distribute the ball? So, and it goes the same on the other side. Nobody really stopping Khalil Mack, and they got Eddie Jackson back there and a few other players. So, it's a good safety. They man. they got some ball, man. Uh, I got LA twenty-eight twenty-four. Oh. I think both teams are gonna have to throw the ball as opposed to running it uh, okay. due to the interior D line. But um Chicago has surprised me so far this year. They've been playing exceptionally well. Tell but, you, man. They got rid of Mitchell Drabitsky. It's the whole the whole change. But yeah, man. So, uh, but let's talk about. Let's go back to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. As you guys know, uh, Dak Prescott had a season-ending injury uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was under the franchise tag. And Dre, you and I talked about this a couple of months ago in regards to whether he should have sat out or should have played. Uh, personally, I'm under the. Uh, umbrella that as a player if you're waiting for your money especially in football if you're waiting for your money you have to sit out because the risk doesn't outweigh the the risk outweighs the reward and we see what we've seen what happened with Dak 
Uh, Le'Veon sat out as well. I just see, I don't, I don't, I think you have to sit out and wait for your money or something like this can happen. Like what happened with that. But uh, I mean, Dre, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, Hey man, know your worth, get your worth. And Dak knows his worth and he knows he's worth, uh, you know, what is it? What what do you want? Something crazy? But he forty five something like that. Forty five a year. Maybe more. Yeah. Something maybe more. But he he knows his worth. Like he knows that that team doesn't go anywhere without him. He knows that. I mean, just like you said earlier, that the whole offense is built on Dak. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. So he knows what he's worth. He knows that that team can't go anywhere without him, and he knows that no quarterback can really just step in and do what he does. So he gets it. And then a good example of it, man, was Earl Thomas just, I want to say, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing. Knew, he, know, he knew his worth. He sat out for them, like, I think it was first couple games. And then he was like, all right, I'm just play, like, get my check. Like, I'm going to earn it. And ended up breaking his foot or broke, broke his leg. And I think that caused him some money that was out there on the market for him. So they threw everything out of whack for him. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you Dak, like, you can't go to the to the like the negotiation board and be like, look, I I want this, this, and that. Can't be like that no more. Now you gotta. Now they got the you know, they got the upper hand. Like, oh, you was hurt. Like you you we don't like you can't do nothing for us as much. We got to see if you effective still. Right. And I mean, Eva, you know, go ahead. Go ahead, Dre. I was like, you know, man, that's that's how the NFL it is. Like, they'll they'll really hold you on some money. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so Kiva, as a as a football player, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Because football is, has much more impact and an injury risk than basketball does. So, what are your, I mean, what are your thoughts on playing under the franchise tag, sitting out, especially as a running back? Your guy's career window is far shorter than any other position. I mean, man, it's just tough. Because I sit back and I watch, and from sitting on the side, you're like, yeah, got to sit out. Like, it's not even a question. Because, mm-hmm. you, like you said, you put in perspective, you go out there and you play, you get hurt. And now all your, all your negotiation is really off the board. It's whatever you give. Like, whatever you're giving, you kind of like, I'm not in position to really be like, no, I don't deserve that. Because... You haven't produced nothing that shows, or you haven't produ- uh, produced, yeah, you haven't produced anything to show that he was out that whole season. So, and I feel like that's where, uh, crazy enough to say, that's where it comes to play with Jerry Jones. Like, he, he bought his money, <laughs> and that's no joke. And I feel like with him being hurt, in his eyes, you're not a $45 million guy. You were just hurt. So I can't give you that. And it's either you're going to take what I give you, or you're on the market now. Like, choice is yours and I and I feel like that's something that is unfair but however in my standpoint I totally see where every like where all these players coming from where they just are like all right I'm gonna play like if you don't give me the money I'm gonna show you why I'm worth the money and 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 even from my standpoint I'm not gonna lie if you truly love and passionate about the sport it kind of like, well, I can't even just say it's all about the money. I honestly just want to play. And I think that's my standpoint on some things, too, where, like, yes, I want the money. Yes, I, I want the money I deserve. But when you look at it, I want to play also. 
-hmm. Like this is something bigger than money right now for me because this is my livelihood. This is what I enjoy doing. This is what I love doing. And I think that's what comes into play with all of this. And especially for a running back where Le'Veon, you can see some of the things where he's just not the same as he was before. And I feel like with your window being small, you have to play smartly about what you want to be once you come back. Like, Le'Veon on the back end probably of his career a little bit, or his prime, and he should have thought, like, well, maybe if I use this year and take the money and just show them that or go to another team, I can easily, like, show them why I'm worth it. And you don't have to sign to a uh, a crazy deal. You can just go to a one-year deal and be like, yeah, I do what I do, and then I'm going to show you that I'm worth it. You know what I mean? Because as a running back, you only have a solid seven to eight years because you don't get too many Frank Gore players where you just playing 14 years, 15 years, and just balling. Oh, well, not balling, but doing your thing. Mm -hmm. Where seven to eight years is your solidified – you have a name. After that, you kind of slowly doing like dwindle down to a mentor, or I'm just a you know rotational back where I get a piece of here and there. So I see where them guys are coming from when they play. Hmm. But would it playing under one year deals? That's essentially like just like playing under the tag, though, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, but it's just you gotta look at the scenario or the team that you playing for. If you play for that one year deal with another team that might be worth it because you can figure that, okay, I did this. I may be getting the money with them. Whereas you say you stay with the Jets. God, Lord, please don't. <laughs> but you you stay with the Jets on a franchise tag. You're like, well, dang, like they're not going to give me the money regardless. And I know that. Yeah, I'm just here playing for no reason where you can just go take that one-year deal and prove it somewhere else. That's worthy and actually, you know, producing on the field and, and, and you know they would give up the money for somebody that's good that they can see can actually help their program. I mean, their organization. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, look, these organizations, there is a business at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So they're not going to be loyal. To, they're going to be loyal to you as far as you can be beneficial towards them. Once he's out, I can't even say that. Look how they did Todd Gurley. Man. Yeah. Good point. Got Todd Gurley up out of there, and he was. He was good. Like, he wasn't oh, bad. That's a good point. But that shows, like, there's no loyalty in that. So, yeah. as a player, your, your self-interest should be your number one priority. Right. In that league. So, you've got if, – if if your prerogative is sitting down so you get your money, I don't see You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, and I – but like I said, I see where Dak coming from because Dak is a team player, and I respect his decision because – I think he was just on the aspect of like, yes, I want the money, but I also know that my teammates need me. How will my teammates view me? Because as a QB, say you sit out a year and you get the money that you want the next year. How is your team viewing you? Like, you left us out there. We just had to suffer with Andy Dalton. That's our quarterback for real, for real now, because they look at it. He's been through the struggle with us. You sat out and you just allowed us to go through that. I think you have a good relationship with your players the players are going to advocate for you to the media to get a contract. They'll be saying, well, for instance, for, for example, the Dax teammates will be saying, well, Jerry Jones should have paid him in the first place. He needs to be paying him. If you're really fact. good with your That's team. That's big facts. And I agree with that too. Yes. That is huge fact. Yeah. 
But um, their organization is confused. That's America's team. <laughs> no, that's that's not America's team. Most overrated. Oh, it's overrated. Like, what's the name? I've, I've said it before. They haven't been good since what the nineties, the eighties. Yeah, nineties. Yeah, nineties, nineties. Yeah, and it's been. I ain't even hold you. The most gassed up team right now is the 49ers, but that's for another conversation. Hey, man, chill out, chill out, chill out. Get off my team. That's facts. Get off my Look team. where they at now. We, what do you mean? We've been hurt. Is that you? So you like the Eagles? Nah, nah, we're winning games, though. Are y'all? Yeah, I just won one game, and you could, you're happy about that. <laughs> we're going to win some games. Hey. If y'all, well, y'all not making it to the playoffs. Who am I kidding? We're going to make it to the playoffs. And that did? I don't know. We're not, I don't know about the division. But we're going to make it. I have faith in us. I, I can't even beat the Cardinals. <laughs> I watched that stuff for all them years. We're going to be good. I can't beat the Cardinals. <laughs> it looks like they're still on the Super Bowl hangover, man. Really, y'all in dead last. What are we right now? Yeah. Yeah, like two and four. I mean the the NFC West might be the second best division in football though. No, it is. It definitely it is. is. Mm-hmm. Well it is. Because I think I think the AFC West is actually the best. Mm-hmm. The Raiders is tough. Their record may not show it all, but the Raiders just tough. beat the they just beat the uh who they beat the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. They tough. They tough. Tougher than the North? Yeah. They have ultimate uh, Browns and Bengals. What's tough about that? They're top, <laughs> they're, top heavy. they're top heavy with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. When you uh, when the AFC West has at least three teams, that's solid. I don't think Vegas is that good, man. Maybe just beat the arguably the best team in football. What more do you want? I just, <laughs> I just, I don't see them. I, I think their offense is a little too inconsistent for me. John Gruden got something good over there. I and think they they're, they're maybe a year or two away, but this year, mm. they better than whatever team you like. Oh I like, wow! I just like football as a whole. Man. I'm not a. Oh, look, look, change that whole man's opinion. I don't even like a team, really. I just like the sports. I just like the game. <laughs> I just like the game. Let me uh, let me change this. Let me change the subject before my team gets grilled, man. Um, let's talk about culture real quick, guys. For our last topic, um, I was sitting down the other day and I was thinking about successful coaches across all sports. I'm trying to figure out what makes them successful. Or what's the key to them being successful? And I think there are two key factors that come down that makes a coach successful. One is their knowledge uh, and acuity for the game. And second is their relationship, the ability to form relationships with uh, with their players. Key, just like how you were talking about John Har- Harbaugh and the head coach at Minnesota, differentiate in that ability. So I think the question I want to ask you guys is what's more important to the success of a head coach, their actual knowledge of the game or their ability to form good relationships with, the, with their players? Mm. 
Uh, I would say the ability to form relationships, because like we like we just talked about earlier, if you can't get your team riled up, like go like run through a wall for you, man, it's gonna be rough. Mm-hmm. You you can throw out all them schemes you want to, all the like, all the game planning and anything you want. If you cannot get your team to do it, like, to to believe in you and, and like know that like they trust you, it's gonna be rough. Like it's not, it's just not gonna work. Because once they buy into you, they'll buy into your system, and once they buy into your system, everything you put in place will just will fall into place. I agree. Kiel, what do you think? No, I agree completely. Like a relationship is huge. Uh, just a simple fact: when you build that relationship, you know, like like I said earlier, that player is willing to do it all for you. You know, because he trusts you and you trust him, and yeah. it's just a a bond that you have that you know that's hard to get. So when you get that relationship, like you said, it don't really matter about the scheme because you can throw a scheme on the board. And they will believe in it just because they believe in you. Okay. So once you commit into that system and they commit into you, you have a player that's willing to just <laughs> do whatever you need them to do. And it may not even be to position. Say, for example, you'd be like, I know for a fact this is something you may not want to do, but I know for a fact this is the position for you. And although they may not want to do it or may not feel it, they would trust your word because they see that they, cause they know the relationship that y'all built that you arguably want the best for them. And so they will argue sometimes, yeah, it may be hard, but they would put their differences aside just to be like, coach, I, I trust you. And I know that you want the best for me. So. So as, as you guys being pro athletes, what has your guys experience been? Have you guys experienced coaches that, are great at X's and O's or have a high IQ for their sport, but can't form good relationships with their players. Like, have you guys experienced that before? Yeah. I got them both. Oh man. I've had, I've had both. Um, uh, I'm not going to say which club, but I had it where he knew the X's and O's ins and outs, but he just couldn't identify with his team. Like he couldn't, couldn't basically couldn't talk to his team. Like just about everyday stuff, he just couldn't talk talk to him, and he never really formed a good relationship with us. Granted, we we did okay, but we said if if he would have made us just believe and made us buy in, like we if we'd have bought in earlier, it, he it would have worked out way better for him. We bought in with ourselves, with our team, but not with him. Yeah, Kiva, have you had an experience like that? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have both where. I didn't have coaches that honestly are, I mean, nothing personal, but just think highly of themselves, that they feel whatever, like, they put out there or whatever they do is automatically going to work with no type of actual thought, like, well, that player is not comfortable in that situation or, or that that scheme that I want to run is not going to work for this week. They still kind of injure, like, and just force it where it's like, you as a player know, you're like, man, this ain't going to work, but yeah. I'm going to do it. Because I, I know if I don't, I'm not going to be on the field long, you know. So, But, however, I have been in a situation where, and I'm, I've been blessed where, you know, just to shout him out, uh, the running back coach that I had, Michael Fry, where as in 
we had a great relationship, you know, throughout our years being together where we had the opportunity just to talk outside of football and just learn each other, you know, just not about football. So it gave me an opportunity to know him, him as a person and exactly like, you know, why is he the person he is? So it was just an automatic and like instinct. I, he didn't even have to tell me things sometimes and I knew exactly what he wanted. He can just look at me and I'd be like, I got you. Like, I already know what it is. Like, right. it's just one of those relationships. Once you build that, that's when your team can take honestly to another level that some teams can't perform or can't do. So I think that's where that relationship something comes in fact. Once you know who your players are and once you, if you, I think allowing yourself to be vulnerable to, to your players is something great because now it's showing that you can, like your, your, co- your players can be like, well, coach is not all about his ego or himself. He's one of us. He's human too. Yeah. And he knows that and he sees that. And I think that's where the, like the players can trust you. Yeah. Because you have emotions. I agree. I, I think that concept transcends sports as well. I think once if you know someone or if you're in a relationship with somebody and you know that they can be transparent and show humility towards you, that causes you to form a stronger bond with that person and cause you to get more energy and be more transparent yourself and do more for that individual. And I think that correlates to sports as well in life. Um, as, as a coach, if you can show a player that you're invested in their in their uh, in their relationship you have with them. You can maximize the potential for that player because, like you guys said, they run through a brick wall. They're gonna run through a big brick wall for you, and they they'll do whatever it takes. They'll play harder for you. They'll be more focused and tuned to the I, to the X and O's that you're that you're showing them. I think you can far bet far more maximize that potential as opposed to just being knowledgeable about the game. I, I think when it comes to that too, like it's how you just said it is one of the situations where when you do that, like your coach is able to pull potential out of you that you didn't even know you possessed. Exactly. And that's that's what really makes the best out of it because it's like you think that you're at your limit or that you can't go no further, but your your coach sees it and 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 I think it took me a while to learn this, but like when your coach is truly getting on you and really riding you and no gay stuff, but really on top of you and just trying to make the most out of it, you know, it's just one of those situations where <laughs> they see it and you just confused, like, why are you coming at me so hard? You know, but in the long run, he just tells you, like, I know you can do it. Like, I know you have what it takes. You just have to believe in it yourself. And yeah. Agreed, man. I agree. I agree. Uh, Kiva, man, we're so grateful for you for you joining us on the show today, man. Uh, as you know, you're kind of used to this already. Uh, we're going to close with some shout-outs. So if there's any shout-outs you want to give, just give them real quick. Hey, shout-out to my pops, uh, my moms, uh, my entire family, for real, my girl, for staying down, you know, doing what she had to do. Uh, and just everyone else around me, man, like for the support, you know. The journey is not always straight. Sometimes you got to take turns to get to where you got to be at. And I just appreciate everybody that's still in my corner. Absolutely. I thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, Dre, any shout outs you want to give? Uh, obviously, you know, shout out to my homeboy, Brandon. Shout out, got, a, got the got the Brandon on and everything. Brandon Rambert, uh, hoping 
you know, hoping everything goes well for him. Um, shout out, you know, the family. And just like him, just like you said, journey's not done. Everything's still happening. We, you know, we're still trying to get everything done. Um, hoping everybody's okay with this pandemic and stuff still going on and hoping everybody's doing well. Right, absolutely. Uh, shout out to the, the Nerdy in Many Ways YouTube channel. Shout out to the Tatiana Jasmine YouTube channel. And you guys are speaking on family. I just want to say something real quick. No man has had success alone. Every man that has been successful has achieved it through the help of their support system and others. So as you guys said, shout out to my family. Shout out to our support system. Shout out to the fans that continue to support us and uh, inspire us to be greater hosts and uh, give better takes as well. Um, we'll be back again next week, guys, to have more information for you guys. Uh, once again, guys, you can guys can find Akiva Wedge on YouTube, find his highlight takes on YouTube, and find his Instagram uh, in the description we'll leave below as well. Uh, Akiva, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck and blessings to the rest of your NFL career. Uh, continue to stay safe and be vigilant, guys. Until next time, guys, peace. Thanks, guys.